George, come on downstairs. Quick, they're right. on their way. All right. Come on. <laughs> come on in here now. <laughs> now you stand right over here by the tree. Right. right there. And don't move. Don't move. What's happening? Wow. Oh, I hear them coming now. George, it's a miracle. It's a, it's a miracle. Who's going to come, Daddy? Who, Daddy? Come in, Uncle Billy. Everybody. Mary did it, George. Mary did it. She told some people you were in trouble with it. They scattered all over town collecting money. Didn't ask any questions. Just said, George, in trouble. And tell me you didn't spend like a spread like fair. Another run on the bank? Here, George. Merry Christmas. There we are. The line farms on the right. London. Oh. Mr. Gower cabled you need cash. Stop. My office instructed to advance you up to $25,000. Stop. Oh. Hee haw and Merry Christmas, Sam Wainwright. Oh. Brother George, the richest man in town. <laughs> I love that clip in that movie. I'll be honest, um, I didn't like that movie as a kid. I didn't get it. And the older I've gotten, the more every year I appreciate it so much. I, I love George Bailey. I really do. I, I see that there's a guy who's lived a life of 
helping others, of sort of dying to his dreams. And, and yet even in the middle of all of that goodness, he's still so miserable. Uh, and then at the lowest moment, at the lowest place in his life, he sort of cries out to God and he, he finds some sort of salvation. He finds that his life has meaning and his life matters. And he finds that there is a God and God intersects in his life. And it's like everything comes alive. And I love that moment where his brother walks in after two hours of watching George Bailey's lostness, his brother walks in having seen George be found and the neighborhood come around him to bless him and provide sort of this financial security that he couldn't secure on his own. His brother walks in and says to my brother, George, the richest man in all of Bedford Falls, man, what a powerful, it gets me every time. Honestly, I cry every time when George Bailey gets found and he finds salvation that he cannot provide for himself. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And so I love that. Uh, and, and, and today, by the way, I'm going to preach from notes and paper Bible, if that's all right. I'm just not going to do the iPad thing. I, I want to be really just candid with you. I want to ask you, I'm going to encourage you, maybe whip out your phone or a piece of paper and pen. I want you to take notes today. I'll tell you exactly what I want you to write down. Mostly it's going to be questions, but I want us to walk through um, what would be the the root sort of nuts and bolts of a life that's built around Christ and that worldview that shaped, that frees us to make bold moves, that frees us to move forward when we don't know all the answers, uh, that allows us to thrive even in a year like 2020. And so I want to read to us today from uh, the book of Acts, chapter 27. Not really a Christmas passage at all today. We're not going to do that at all. But uh, we're toward the end of the book of Acts. And, and if the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or the biographies of Jesus, then Acts is essentially the biography of the Holy Spirit and the biography of the church. And so by the time we get to Acts 27, the next to the last chapter, uh, Paul, who half of the book of Acts is essentially about Paul and his church planting endeavors, starting churches all throughout the major cities of the Roman Empire. Paul is on his way to Rome to appeal a sort of legal decision and injustice to Caesar. And on his way, he and uh, he's on a ship, and the people he's on the ship with find themselves in the middle of a storm, and it looks like they are in imminent danger. And so Paul is speaking to the crew and to the other people on the ship, and, and God has spoken to Paul. He confidently knows that God has spoken to him, and, and he says this in Acts 27, verse 23, we're going to read four verses. He says, For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong. Now that's important. We're going to get to that in a moment and whom I worship. We're going to get to that in a moment as well. And he said, the angel said, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. Now God had put that in Paul's heart before, and the angel is just kind of affirming it, even in the middle of this situation. He continues, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Even in the midst of this storm, the angel is saying, you know where you're heading. These people who are with you are going to be okay by proxy, essentially. Verse 25, so take heart, men, Paul is now speaking to them, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told, but we must run aground 
on some island. He tells them, we're about to be shipwrecked, fellas. Um, this may not be good, but those things he knew were true. I, I, I think in there we can kind of see five things that Paul knew with the deepest and most utmost confidence. And these are the things I kind of want you to write down. I'm going to ask you some questions and wants to walk through. One, Paul knew whose he was. Paul knew who he belonged to. I may mess up the the prepositions and prepositional phrases here, but Paul knew whose he was. He knew who had him. He knew who he belonged to. Paul knew that because of Jesus's death and resurrection that he belonged to God, that Paul belonged to God because of Christ. Now, let me ask you a question, and I really want you to write this question down because I think it's important as we wrap up 2020 and look forward to 2021. Who has you or what has you? Who has you or what has you? And be honest, like our default is to give kind of the Sunday school answer and say God or Jesus, but really who or what has you? In a moment of impending danger, Paul could not be bought in a panic. He couldn't be bought in a short he couldn't be bought or talked into a shortcut. He couldn't be bought or talked into some sort of opportunity that wasn't on the path of what God had for him because he knew he belonged to God. Paul knew whose he was. Isaiah 43, let me read to you verses uh, 1 and 2 if I might. Says this, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. It's one of the greatest phrases in the Bible, Isaiah 43, 1, the last little phrase. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. How many of you feel like you've walked through the tidal wave or the flood waters or the fire? this year. If you understand that you belong to God, you understand that even in the fire and even in the flood and even in the torrent, that God is with you and that we are his. We belong to God. We belong to God because of Christ. We are his possession. This is where everything starts for Paul. Doing flows from being. For the Christian, doing for God with God always flows from being, belonging to God. And being um, Christian starts with belonging. So doing flows from being and being flows from belonging. Paul knew who he was. Who do you belong to? What has you? Maybe it's money. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's fears. Maybe it's some objective. Maybe it's Christ. Who has you? Who has you? Number two, Paul knew who he worshipped. Remember he said, the gods are whom I belong and whom I and who I worship. In other words, so the first part addressed whose he was or who or what had him. The second part addresses what mattered most to Paul. Worship is ascribing worth. It's giving glory. It's giving weight to something, to what matters most in our hearts. And when we settle what matters most or what's the most critical or central thing, then we don't begin to settle for things that are on the periphery. When we settle, when we come to grips with, when we are at peace with the most central peripheral thing, then we can begin to let go of some of the things that are out on the margins in our life. 
um, secondary and peripheral things begin to seem to be just that. Think about it. Paul knew that he was going to shipwreck. That would terrify me, but he's totally okay with it because he knows whose he is and he knows what matters most. Here's a question that I'd even want you to write down, maybe reflect on this week. Who or what do you worship? Now, before we just all say again, Sunday school answer, Jesus, God, understand that worship just means giving worth to something. Who or what do you give the most weight to? Is it God? Is it family? Is it money? Is it success or health or comfort? Is it security? Is it your future? Is it your kids? Is it a uh, sport? Is it your devices? I, I, you know, I don't know what it may, is it, I, I have no idea. What is it that is the thing, around, the thing around which all the other things in your heart uh, sort of orbit? Paul knew who gripped him and he knew what he was grasping for in a storm and a shipwreck and a good opportunity. There was going to be no compromise because he had settled these things. The third thing we see in Paul sort of speaking with the crew and hearing from this angel, this messenger of the Lord, is he knew where he was heading. He knew where he was heading. He was going to see Caesar. He believed that this was a, a divine mandate, sort of a mission that God had given him, and it was rooted in God's plan. How many of you, as we begin to wind down on December 27th, how many of you know that you are in the middle of God's plan? You know where he's taking you. You know where you're heading. I guess that would be the third question. If the third sort of statement is he knew where he was heading, the question would be, where is your life heading? Where is your life going? Where does? And then I guess the kind of follow-up question would be, where does God want your life to go? As we wind down 2020, where does God want your life to go as we begin to move into 2021? I think about Barbara Gusta on this one. She tells this great story, and I'm going to mess up the details a little. But she was literally at sea one, uh, one time years back with a crew, and they were in the middle of this terrible storm, and, 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 and they could have been in danger. Their lives were literally potentially in danger, and she remembers thinking, either in that moment or in the moment since, God didn't allow me to survive to get to that and get through that without having a plan. She knew who she belonged to, and she knew where she was heading. God didn't send her out to the sea because she believed that was something he had for her life to then let her die at sea. Last week, honestly, was one of the most um, gut-wrenching, heartbreaking moments for me in the life of our church. The Christmas service is my favorite Sunday of the year, and when it crashed on Facebook, it felt like all my emotions crashed as well. I was angry and and sad. And I wish I could say I handled that with grace and faith and dignity, but I certainly did not. But Natalie reminded me Sunday afternoon, she said, you know, God is at work in lives and in our church and in our community. Don't think for a moment that he was caught off guard by what happened today. She said, he will use this for good. He will bring good from this. This is on some level the best. And there was such a that's why I thank God for Natalie. Honestly, if, if the two become one and we are one flesh, she is the better end of the deal on this thing when it comes to faith. It's true, though. God didn't call the Mangrums and you to Charlestown, to Christ Church Charlestown at this point, to then let some streaming interruption throw everything off the rails. God's going to bring good. We When we know where we're heading and that it's God who's 
leading us that way, we can have confidence even when the road takes us somewhere that we wouldn't have chosen. Uh, and that's powerful. Knowing the destination won't prevent tough times. It won't prevent trials. It won't prevent heartaches, but it will help prevent rabbit trails and getting lost and backtracking. So that leads to the question, I'll ask it again, where is your life heading? When you know that God is your guide and he's leading you somewhere, you're less likely to get on a rabbit trail, to get sidetracked, to go to backtrack. So let me ask you, as you wind down 2020, where is your life heading in 2021? And is God leading you? The fourth thing that Paul had settled is he knew who he was going with. He knew for better or worse, these people on this boat, Christians, non, all of them, you know, Luke is there. Luke is the one who writes Acts and who writes the book of Luke. So there's Christians on this boat. There's also non-Christians on this boat, certainly. He knows who he's going with. He knows his squad, those who he's sailing with. He says they're going to be okay as well. And who's your squad? Who's your, who are you sailing with? Who are the family and friends and neighbors and co-workers who you're journeying with? Who are the people who matter the most to you or get the most of your time or energy or affection? And I would throw in there as well, Christian, if you're a Christ follower, you need to have some Christ followers in your squad. This is why the church exists. Like, if God just wanted to save our souls and that was it, he'd have beamed us up and we'd get to go to heaven. Uh, but that's not just what he did. And if we could just worship God just as well sitting down by the Boston Harbor, going up to Mount Washington, uh, he would have never created the church. But the church is a living embodiment of the fact that we need one another. We need the church. We need each other for prayer. We need each other for fellowship. We need each other for the visible witness of communion and baptism. We need one another to, we need to serve one another. We need to be served by one another. We need to sing and hear one another singing. We need to grow in the Bible with one another. We need the sort of like steel and the backbone sometimes of hearing one another say, this is what God has done in my life. It steadies us. It steadies our faith. We need a squad of other Christ followers. And, and we need all of these intersecting relationships to be baptized sort of in the gospel. Not literally dunked necessarily, but we need Christ to be in the midst of our relationships. We don't need to ditch our not yet Christian friends, but we want close community with Christ followers who are going in the same direction at the same pace, who are going to help us along life's journey. Who are the Christians? And listen, I love you. I wish I could be best friends with every one of you. I know Nat feels the same, but our church and, our, and the gospel in Charlestown are going to thrive at a deeper level when you have other people in Christ Church Charlestown who are journeying same direction, same pace with you. Who are those people for you? Who are those people for you that are going same direction, same pace? Do you have someone who is just a little further out ahead of you on the journey that you're journeying with and growing with? Does someone else who's a little further behind you have, are they able to journey with you and grow in their faith? This is the point of the church. We all need a squad. So that would lead to the fourth question. Who is going with you? Who are your godly influences? I hope I'm one. 
I totally do. I want to be a, an influence for godliness in your life. I know that Nat wants that. I know Nick and Nikki want that for uh, you to think that of them. I know Kayla wants that. But even beyond church staff, who are the godly influences in your life? Who knows you? Uh, another one, how well are you known by those godly influences? Do you give them permission to know you and to challenge you and to call you deeper? And where will journeying with them, those you're currently and those you will hopefully be journeying with, traveling with, lead you? Where will it lead you? Paul told those people on that boat, this is where it's going to go. Because you're going with me, this is where we're heading because this is where God's leading me. If you keep journeying with these people, where are you going to end up together even in the months to come? I, I want to tell you, Paul just doesn't want... Um, He's not just going, he's taking people with him. It's not enough that we live the Christian life. God wants us to take others with us. Here's some ingredients, by the way, in a great squad and a great community of other believers. The centrality of God's word, the Bible, a gracious spirit, the ability to graciously say, hey, let me help you walk with Jesus because I ain't got this figured out, but I've been doing it a little longer. And here's some things God's helped me with. Permission. We have to give mutual permission to speak into one another's lives. We have to have a vision for making disciples. The goal of this is not that we become a bunch of holy brats, but we become disciples, followers of Christ, who can make followers of Christ, who can make followers of Christ. And then most of all, we need love for God and one another. Uh, discipleship, squad, community, fellowship are rooted in a love for Christ and a love for one another. And then finally, the fifth thing I think we see in Paul here is he knew how he was going to get there. He didn't know exactly how he's going to get to Rome, but he knew how he was going to get there. But God was going to get him to Rome. So he says, take heart, men. This is going to be exactly as I have told you. He knew it was God who was going to get him there. He didn't know the specific details, but he knew the trajectory. He knew the trajectory. He knew the sort of way that God was going to take him. Listen, God's plan for your life is not for this sort of up, down, up, down, all over the place, all over the, all the time. God has a trajectory for your life. It should, hopefully, over a decade or so, look like this. It won't look exactly like this. There'll be ebbs and flows. There'll be moments where we feel closer to God and further from God. But the general trajectory of our life, despite the peaks and valleys, should be an intimacy and closeness with God through Christ. And so uh, Paul didn't know how exactly he was going to get there, but he knew the trajectory, he knew where he was going, and he knew God would get him there. How did he know that? How can you and I know where we're going? Romans 12, 2 says this, says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How we get to where God wants us to go is we stop letting ourselves be cut out of the world's mold, and we let ourselves be conformed shaped into the image of Christ. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Matthew 6, 33 says, uh, But seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, and all these things, all the stuff of life, will be added to you. And Proverbs 4, 
23 says, above all else, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. Those are just a few verses in the God's word that will help us know how to get where God is calling us to be. So here's the last question. How do you plan to get where God is taking you? How do you plan to get where God is taking you? See, you can't get where God wants to take you by using your own roadmap. You and I need to be Bible-formed people. Now, I know that this book can be a little intimidating. I've been so excited this Christmas to hear folks like Gina and Nicole and Howard and others talk about how do I buy a Bible, what kind do I want, all of those things. And, and I think that's one of the sweetest, best questions. You can't get where God wants you to go by taking your own roadmap. The surest way is aligning with his way, his plan, and his purposes. Who's the richest person in Charlestown? Is it the most successful? No. Is it the most confident? No. The most confident, successful, compelling people in Charlestown, and in many ways, therefore, the richest people in Charlestown, depending on what you count, are the people who have settled those five questions. They've made the Lord God the most central thing in their life. And Paul wraps up by saying, even if we run aground, even if we shipwreck, we're going to be okay. 2020, frankly, has been a shipwreck for a lot of people. But even in the midst of that, for those who have settled whose they are, what matters most, where they're going, who they're going with, and how they're going to get there, God has great purpose. So what's ahead in 2021? I don't know, but I know we're going together. And I know we're going with Jesus. And so I want to encourage you this week sometime to sit down, maybe with a Bible, pen, pad, and just write down those five things and maybe reflect on those questions. We'll put them up online and, uh, and work through them. Where you really are, where God's taking you, and where you'll end up in that. And I promise you, it will be so sweet. It'll be so sweet. Hey, I love you. I love being your pastor. I love what God's done this year. Let me pray, and then we will wind down the year, not just the Sunday. God, thank you for the truth of your word um, and the power that the gospel has in our lives when we live fully surrendered. I pray that uh, for those who haven't given their life to Christ in 2020, what a fitting end to the year. Maybe they would say today, Lord, I'm, I'm turning from my sin and self-sovereignty, trusting the death of Jesus at the cross and his resurrection at the empty tomb. And God, I'm surrendering my life to you. God, if there's anybody today who hasn't given their life to you, they, they've thought about it this year, but they haven't sort of crossed the line and been born again, as we say, become a Christ follower. God, I pray today that they would do it. And for the rest of us, God, for all of us, I pray we would work through those questions. Who has us? What matters most? Where are we going? Who are we going with? And how are we going to get there? And Lord, as we do that, I pray that we would become the most purposeful people ever, the richest people, the people living the fullest lives in our community, in our family, and relationship circles, in our neighborhood, all of those things, God. We love you. We give you glory for the year that has just that's just wrapping up for the year to come, God. If it's a shipwreck, God, there's no one we would better be shipwrecked with than you and one another. We love you. We bless you. We believe that the best is yet to come. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.